0: Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Chapter 13 is where we're going to turn today. I have one more announcement to make before we get into God's Word. It's a bit of a sad announcement. Uh, Matt and Carol Ann, who are our worship leaders, have been called to a different venue they are going to be worship pastors full-time in uh, Okawita, Oklahoma. And uh, next week will be there last Sunday with us. So we were definitely going to miss them. That Not only are they your worship pastors and they're for your friends, but they're my family. And so I'm going to miss them, but I'm excited what God's got for them. Uh, Matt doesn't have to teach and, and work as he's done the last couple of years with us. He gets to, to uh, minister full-time. So last, next Sunday, we'll be there last Sunday, and I'm just excited for what God has for them. Would you give them a good God bless you today for serving to it, serving with us? Now, the last several weeks, we have been in this series, kind of a mini-series, about what does the Bible have to say in, in, on different topics. And I've tried to make it topics that are ones that are buzzwords or that you know of today. Uh, we talked about what does the Bible have to say about transgender one week we talked about what does the Bible have to say about uh, pandemics one week and this one is is entitled what does the Bible have to say about obeying the government and you're going to think well that sounds like an odd title and so you have to stay with me all uh, pretty much the entirety of this sermon if you're going to understand this because I know today and this is just one example is that there is a um, the the idea for for being masked or not wearing a mask, for being vaccinated or not being vaccinated. This is not about whether you do or don't wear a mask or whether you do or you don't get vaccine. I believe that's a matter between you and, uh, and your conscience and what you think is best for your family. So, But I want to talk to you about what is it. T- there's times in government, whether it's a church government, A school government, school board, whether it's a city government, a national government, where there are things that are enacted and made that you might not necessarily agree with, or there's times that things that you do agree with. Well, as Christians, how do we handle that? How do we we handle functioning in a government in this world that we live under? Now, I know many have said about as far as the mask and the unmask that, that some think it's the mark of the beast. That's the big. That's the mark of the beast. Let me say this: uh, vaccines or the mask is not the mark of the beast, because from my understanding, they they don't. The Bible says it's either going to be a mark in your right hand or in your forehead. As far as I know, they don't give the vaccine in the forehead or the right hand. Am I right? But you can see, some, some others would say this about masks. It's just the greatest way you can show that you care about other people, that you love other people, and they're passionate about that as, right, as well. Some say, well, it's giving up your rights. We're giving up our citizenship rights. Others say it's your duty to do these particular tasks. And some say they work. Some say they don't work. And sometimes it's just so overwhelming, you just get confused about who to believe and what to do. Now, the question, well, does God have anything to say about masks? Well, not really. It doesn't say thou shalt wear a mask or thou shalt not wear a mask. That's the short answer. But today I want to talk to you, and and before I go any further, I just want to help just remind us something. Remember this. We're all friends, right? We are. We are friends. We love each other. We have been we have been purchased by the same blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to the same heaven. We have to share this world together. And sometimes there's differences of opinions on these particular topics that we speak about. My question is really was to find out what does the Bible have to say about it. Now, if you're not a Christian and you just say, "Look, um, I don't agree with that," so whatever you say, I'm not going to pay attention to you. Let me just say this to you: We're all Americans. We all have to share the same roads, the same air. We say, read the same Constitution. And so maybe if you're not a Christian today, maybe let's just say it from this angle, that we're all Americans and we have to find a way to get along and work together. It's a great place to say amen. Romans chapter 13, are you ready for this? I knew y'all could handle this. I mean, of all the people in the world I could preach this to, I knew y'all could handle it because you just, you just understand that the Bible is, the, is our foundation. The Bible is what we go by. The Bible is what we look to. And as long as we are reading the same thing and we're all in agreement about the Bible, the Bible says we'll all come into unity of the faith. Romans chapter 13 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God and an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes (laughs) for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for the Word of God. It is still a beacon uh, to the lives of people that live in 2021. It's not outdated, God. It's not antiquated. It's a, it's a word for all men, for all generations. And the, the one thing, if we'll just read it and understand it just like it was written, and I pray that today. Help us to, to be good dividers of the Word of God. Help it to be clear and to understand, God, what you say about these situations that we live in today. And for all this, God, we do. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So the, the scripture we just read is that God puts governors, excuse me, governments in place. They're instituted by God. Did you read that there? And then it said is to obey the government, is to obey God because God put, put those institutions in place. He puts them in place to reward good behavior. He puts them in place to punish bad behavior. Puts, puts them in place so that we can pay taxes and support those that, that serve. It tells us to give honor to where honor is due. There's many times I'm 51 years old. There's been lots of governors, lots of mayors, lots of presidents that I've sat under. And I can tell you this, I've not all agreed with all of them, but I do think it's important to honor the position that people hold of that particular office. It's important to give them honor, to give them respect. If there's a men- if there was somebody that served in a capacity in our community that came to church, we would honor them, we would respect them, we would acknowledge them, because I think it's important to acknowledge those who serve us in the most practical way. Now. And I can imagine this, that it's hard to run a government because how many people have difference of opinions about what to do and what not to do? So I appreciate those who serve and and give their lives to help people as as public servants. I'm glad God has order. Aren't you glad glad that God has order? Because the thing is, is everybody may have a different way of doing things, and there has to be a way that we can all live together and all function together in society and in our communities and in our churches. I'm glad that there's not anarchy and chaos and lawlessness all over the place. I'm glad for, thank God for police officers and those who serve in in military, men and women. I'm glad the speed limit sign doesn't say just whatever. I'm glad it says 55 or speed limit of 70. I'm glad it's just not however you feel that particular day. First time I ever got a, 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 a traffic ticket. Don't look at me like that. First time I ever got a traffic ticket. It was Saturday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. Of course, everybody's asleep. There's no cars out. I'd gone to the rec center or something like that. I was 16 years old, and there was a stop sign two blocks from my house. And as I stopped at the stop sign, there was a police officer right around the corner who could see me, and I didn't stop at the stop sign. How many know you kind of rolled through the stop sign? His blue lights came on. He stopped me. said, you didn't stop at the stop sign. Here's your citation. Sent me home. I was devastated. I had every reason in the world why I should not have received a citation. I had a friend whose dad was the same police officer in the same department. I took that ticket, walked in his house, and said, one of your guys gave me a ticket, and I don't deserve it. So I told him all the reasons why I didn't deserve it. No cars were out there. I was the only car there. And finally, he listened to me for about, oh, I don't know how long I rented. Finally, he said this. He said, what did the sign say? And I had no response to that because I knew what the sign said. But today, can I tell you, as 51 years old, I'm glad there's stop signs and yield signs and speed limit signs to protect people and to keep organization going on our highways. I appreciate those who serve in government. But it begs, and the Bible even tells us to obey the government that God's put over us. But it begs a question this is where it's going to get interesting today. What about in the Bible? What about times in the Bible when people didn't obey the governing authorities? What about in history, in times when governing authorities were not obeyed? How does that line up with what Romans chapter 13 has to say? Let me give you some examples here. What about Moses? When Moses went to Pharaoh in Egypt, and God had told him to let his people go, and Moses, and excuse me, Pharaoh made the command decision, you cannot go. And so Moses and the people of Israel defied the law of the governing authority and still went. What about Gideon? Same, almost the same thing as he was called to stand against a, a, a tyr- tyrannical um, governing authority. What about Daniel? The, 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 law, the law said, Thou shalt not pray, but Daniel prayed anyway. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Same, similar situation. The law was when the music played, you had to bow and, and worship the statue. And yet when the the music played, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not obey the law of the land, and it cost them. So over and over, what about the Reformation when when the church had a a rule, and and there were some men that went against the church rule and the church organization? What about the American Revolution? When the law of the land was from the monarch of England, and and the people of the colonies did not uh, not, uh, heed to that law. What about when Paul got in Peter's face? Paul was the lesser, Peter was the, was the greater. How does, those, how does that match up to Romans chapter 13? And how does that match up according to the Bible? And that's the question we're going we're to answer next. Because God does not require us to blindly obey these governments. Blindly obey these governments. The American Revolution that took place, and that's the reason we're here in this, this country today, can you imagine the struggle that church people had before, while it was going on? I mean, you think about it. There was those that, that read Romans 13, and they would say things like, you know what, we need to, we need to listen to what the, the England says. That's our authority. That's who God's put, up, put over us. Then there was the other side of the coin. And they were like, wait a minute, they're being too hard. They're taxing us, and they're not giving us representation. They're doing things, and they're all the way across the ocean, and they don't know what's going on here, but they're still trying to govern us from over there. There are people today, there are Bible scholars today. John MacArthur, well-known Bible teacher, is one of them. Listen to what he has to say about this particular topic. He said, People have mistakenly linked democracy and political freedom to Christianity. That's why many contemporary evangelicals believe the American Revolution was completely justified, both politically and scripturally. They follow the arguments of the Declaration of Independence, which declares that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are divinely endowed rights. But such a position is contrary to the clear teachings and commands of Romans chapter 13. So the United States was actually born out of a violation of New Testament principles, and any blessings God has bestowed on America has come in spite of that disobedient by the founding fathers. So here this man is saying, no, that's not right, that really it was rebellion that caused the United States to be formed. As we go through history, in that particular time in the church... There were several groups of people that were for maintaining, staying with England. There was, there was other groups that were, that, were, that were serious about civil disobedience and resistance to tyrannical civil authority. Can you imagine the pulpits on Sunday morning in the 1770s? Can you imagine the conversations after the, pulpits, the sermons in the pulpits on Sunday morning? Facebook really had nothing on the conversations that took place in this particular time. As England's tyranny increased, they increased taxes. History tells us there was a Stamp Act that England issued. There was a Tea Act that England issued which led to the Boston Tea Party. And so as we talk about what Christians had to say about this particular time, because there was this, once again, there was this dichotomy, there was this, there was this, there was this rub between are we doing what, are we, are we rebelling against God's word? Because that was really most important to all these Christian peoples. Were they rebelling against God's authority or was there something else? And so the founding fathers held that while they were forbidden to overthrow the institution of government and live in anarchy, they were not required blindly to submit to every law and policy. The institution of government was ordained by God. They believe that, but that doesn't mean that God approves of every specific government and every specific leader. The colonists, number two, preached this. They preached that opposition to authority was not simply to resist the institution of government, which was ordained by God, but it was re- rather to resist tyrannical leaders who in themselves rebelled against God. Do you see what, 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 how, what, they, were, what they were thinking when they decided to, to break away? They used the scriptural model of Samson, who did the exact same thing. They did the same thing in the scriptural model of Gideon, did the exact same. Ehud in the Old Testament, Deborah in the Old Testament. And those same people who resisted the tyrannical governments in their day, they were celebrated in Hebrews chapter 11 in what's called the Hall of Faith. Samuel Adams, who was the father of the American Revolution, signed the Declaration. Declaration of Independence, he recommended a study of the scriptures in order to understand the basis of America's struggle against a tyrannical king. This was something that people labored over, ministers labored over, politicians labored over, the Christian people labored over because they wanted to make sure what they were doing was something that was of God and not something of men. He said it like this. Another thing, he said, The rights of colonists as Christians may be best understood by reading and carefully studying the institutes of the great lawgiver and head of the Christian church, which are to be found clearly written and promulgated in the New Testament. So as the founders studied and as the the, the ministers preached the sermons and as the Christian people listened and the people... Had to make decisions. The founders clearly believed that they were not in rebellion to God's ordained institution of government. They were only resisting the tyranny and not the institution itself. Now, have I I, I lost you yet? Are you still with me? So the the question that we find us in today, many people, is about governments and, and obeying times when you disagree. It's the same thing that they were having to decide then. There was a second viewpoint that they took in this particular part of history. And that was that, and this was most that all Christians embraced, not just the different factions of Christianity, but they all embraced that that during the revolutionary era was that God would not honor an offensive war, but that God did permit self-defense in the scriptures. Nehemiah, 2 Samuel, Zechariah talk about God says it's it's important and it's okay for people to defend themselves. And the fact that the American Revolution was an act of self-defense and not an offensive war. Undertaken by America remained a point of frequent spiritual appeal to the founding fathers. In other words, they wanted to make sure we're not attacking them, we are resisting and defending ourselves from the attack of England. The Boston massacre of 177, the bombing of Boston, burning of Charleston, the attacks on Lexington Concord, Lexington Concord, and all of those, the colonists never shot the first, fired the first bullet. As a matter of fact, the, the militiamen in Lexington, their, their banner, that they, what they yelled was, don't fire unless fired upon, because they believed they had a right to defend themselves, but not a belief that they could attack somebody else. Continental Congress issued a manifesto reflecting a similar tone and said, we therefore, the Congress of the United States of America, do solemnly declare and proclaim that We appeal to the God who searches the hearts of men for the rectitude of our intentions. And in his holy presence, declare that we are not moved by any light or hasty suggestion of anger or revenge. So through every possible change of fortune, we will adhere to this our determination. For two years, the Americans had been militarily attacked for well over two years before they finally announced separation. Two years they were attacked by England. For 11 years before preceding that announcement, they had pursued reconciliation by diplomacy and not conflict. So they tried to exhaust all measures and all resources before they finally said we are going to separate from England. So if I say all that and I have to summarize it, what are you saying, Pastor Kerry? I'm saying that, it, that God doesn't ask us to blindly follow a dictator, but he does ask us to seek God. In government. Let me say that again. God doesn't ask a Christian to blindly follow a dictator, somebody who's not right with God, somebody who makes laws that that cause people to become uh, not freed but to be imprisoned. But he does ask us to seek God and to be good followers of the government that we're in. Now, probably of all the things that you shouldn't talk about in church, politics is one of them. (laughs) So I've kind of already messed up there. But the one thing is, is, I, is I think that per generation we've told people, Christians not to talk about politics so we've raised a generation of uneducated Christians in the areas of politics. And I think that's been a disservice to us as Christians. Because I know this, that if there's anything that we need in the world today is we need men and women just like you and I to go in to serve on school boards. To serve on deacon boards. Men and women of God to go serve in legislatures to serve in different areas, to serve as congressmen and senators, to serve as judges. Just as much as God calls evangelists and pastors and prophets and teachers to do a work for him, we need those same kind of, same calling of God upon people to go serve in political life. Right now, I want to ask you to do something. If you'll just pray for me. Let's ask God to do that very thing. Maybe somebody here, and you're contemplating going to be on a school board or to be on part of some kind of organization where you have to lead people, and I'm going to ask God right now to give somebody the courage to take that step of faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we need people in every aspect of life to serve on boards of businesses, to serve in deacon boards. We're asking people, God, to serve in the different on school boards, the different places of government life. But I pray that maybe there's somebody here today. Maybe they're listening by our live stream, or they're here in this service, and God, they've just been contemplating, taking that step of faith. God, I pray that you give them the courage and the boldness to take that step of faith and raise up our students, raise up the kids that we've you've given us to, to pastor and to disciple. Lord, I pray raise them up, God, to be a school board leader and to be a principal, God, to be a, a legislator or a mayor or a governor or, Lord, or even the president of the United States who'll serve God with passion with clarity and conviction of the Word of God. And for that, I give you Praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Now, are you still with me? Okay. So, Pastor Kerry, how does this affect us today, of all that you've said? If the Lord asks us to obey the laws of the land, then I think we should do that, shouldn't we? I think that we should that of all the citizens in the in our city, in our communities, in our nation, the Christian people ought to be the best citizens there is. If we're going to preach the gospel all over the world, And to our neighbors, let's preach the gospel when we go into the voting booth as well. I sure thought that would do a whole lot better. But when you go to, can I tell you, you can still preach the gospel when you go into the voting booth. I've thought about changing my political affiliation to independent. Because you know what? I want people to know you can't just get my vote just because I just adhere to some political ideology. I want you to get my vote because you believe that the Word of God is alive and well, and you can implement it in the most practical places of life, and it'll still work. I don't want anybody to think they just get my vote as a Christian just because I'm a Christian. You're going to have to earn my vote, and the way you earn my vote is you have to uh, bring about laws and policies that will glorify and honor Jesus Christ. Now, if you ask us to obey the laws of the land, we should do that. Let me give you some of the laws of the land. It's amendment to number one of the Constitution of the United States. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So if I'm going to be a good citizen and obey the the, the laws of the land, then I need to exercise my right to freely worship Jesus Christ. Y'all did it today. You've already done it. You came to church. Those of you watching online, you came, you worshiped God. That is a right that's been given to you by the Constitution and the founding fathers of this country, and they still believe it a a lot today. So there's nothing wrong with me standing up and declaring Jesus Christ in this community. Another one of them, to abridge the freedom of speech. I have the freedom to, to speak what I have on my heart without any fear of somebody coming against me. So if that's the case, I'm going to speak Jesus Christ that He is the way, the truth, and the life to anybody that will listen. And I'm going to say that things that are wrong are wrong. Lying is still wrong. Cheating is still wrong. Can I tell you there are things that are wrong yesterday are still wrong today? And I'm going to exercise my God-given right to speak that out without fear of anybody coming against me. I have the, the Bible says that. I mean, excuse me. The Constitution says we have the exercise of the press. Let me encourage you, if you're a part of the press, that you have the ability and the exercise to tell both sides of a story and to tell it with truthfulness and not with with, uh, deception. It says, I have the right of people to peaceably assemble. We have the right to come together as believers in Jesus, so I just want to applaud you today for exercising your right to assemble as people of God who want to worship and serve God. There comes a time where I have to go and assemble to peacefully assemble somewhere because of some injustice done. I just encourage Christian people to do the same thing. It also says we have the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. If there is something happening in your community, in your church, in your school system, in the country that you don't agree with, you have the the right by the Constitution and the God-given right, according to Romans chapter 13, to call somebody and say, look, I don't think this is right. And of all the people in the world that I think ought to do this, all the citizens, I think it ought to be God's people. How about amendment number two, the right to bear arms. A well-regulated militia should be necessary to the security of a free state. For those of you who serve in the military, thank you. Thank you for following the God-given dream that God gave you to protect people in this land. This, it says the security of a free state, the right of people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. If you choose, so choose, you have the right to bear arms in this country. I think that's a God-given right that we ought to protect. There was a guy that, that we pastored, and we haven't always pastored. We, we, the churches we've pastored, I don't know how to say this in the right way. without It won't offend the people I'm about to talk about, but some people may think that I'm being offensive. But we've always pastored rednecks. And if you're a redneck, I did not just offend you. It's a term of endearment. So when I say that, I say that because I truly, this particular group of people, I truly do love. And there was a guy named Ray, and I'm going to try to do my best to talk like Ray. This is probably not how he sounds, but it is kind of funny. And he got saved at a revival in, um, in the community we, we pastored in, small farming community, and began to come to our church and uh, began to serve God. And he, he wanted to serve the Lord. We didn't know where to put him, so we stuck him in Royal Rangers, Ray, we didn't have a place for him, and we stuck him in rural rangers. The kids loved him. He was a hunter. He was a fisherman. He every every season of the year, there was never a, a part of the a season there that was, uh, or there was not there was not something to kill, not something to hunt, because it was deer season, and after deer season is duck season. Am I right? After duck season was turkey season. After turkey turkey season was crow season. After crow season was frog season. After frog season was. So what else was there? Oh, coyotes. Yeah, coyotes. They killed coyotes. Coyote season. He was always hunting some something. So we stuck him right with all these little 10, 11, 12-year-old boys, and they loved him. They'd go to the shooting range on Wednesday night. They'd go and they'd build a fire out in the backyard, teach the boys how to make a fire. They'd build forts and, and these different tents and things like out of sticks in the back of the church. And But here's the thing, they loved him. And, and, and I knew that Ray had really gotten a hold of God. Because one day he came to me and he said, Brother Kerry, I have never voted. He was probably almost in his 40s then. He said, I have never voted. He said, but I'm, I'm going to start voting now. And I was like, man, God really got to hold this man's heart. He's going to start voting. And he said this. He said, because I want you to know something, and I'm going to quote him the best I can. Brother Kerry, I want you to know something. It's going to be a cold day when they take my guns out of my hands. They're going to have to pry out of my cold, dead fingers before they're ever, ever, Brother Kerry, going to get my guns. And, Ray, if you're watching, hallelujah, amen to that. Exercising his God-given right as a citizen of the nation that we live in. So that we see this is that we have the right to exercise it, and if that's what God requires of us, then I encourage every single Christian to do that very thing. Exercise your right to vote as a citizen. Exercise your right to freedom of speech. Exercise your right to assemble together. If you have grievances, exercise your right to ask and and begin to make make those grievances be known. Exercise your right to bear arms. Exercise the right to come together. Because I believe that God's designed that for us to do. The problem is, now this is the last point I want to make today. The problem is, what about, Brother Carey when the laws of the land counter the Word of God? What about when the laws and the ordinances and the rules counteract the word of God? And it's, very, it's, it's, and it's very, I'm not talking about, it's very obvious. When God told Daniel he couldn't, I mean, excuse me, when the king told Daniel he couldn't pray, that was obviously against what God's word had said. When, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told that they had to worship the false god or a false statue, obviously that was against what God's word would say. So what about when that particular thing happens? And I'm not talking about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. It's not mandated, um, but I'll say this. My son's going to go to school tomorrow. They've, the first 30 days, the school board decided that students are going to wear masks. My son's going to go to school tomorrow. He's going to wear a mask because that's, what the, that's the rule, and we're going to abide by the rules. Now, so I'm not necessarily talking about this, but what happens when it's, when it's, when it's very much against what the, um, what the Bible has to say? Well, What's going to be like when they say that, that uh, you have to accept a particular type of lifestyle or lose your tax-exempt status? Then we'll just lose our tax-exempt status. We won't give in. What about if they say that you have to accept abortion on demand or be fined? We will just be fined because we believe that life begins in the womb and the Bible says that, God, that everything that God made is fearfully and wonderfully made. What about if we cannot speak in public about Christ or we'll face some kind of backlash? Then we'll just get a misdemeanor or a felony because we've been commissioned to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all men. So I don't know where we are on the timeline. Let me just stop here as we were closing today. I don't know where we're on the timeline of these things coming to pass. But you know what? It could happen. Sometimes in American Christianity, we don't realize what's happening just on the in other nations or on the other sides of the oceans. There are places in China, for example, Indonesia, third world countries, where they cannot speak the name of Jesus in public. They cannot have a Bible or they'll be fine. They can't meet together. They have to meet together underground. And sometimes I think you and I have to be reminded of this because that way we'll know we have to settle this issue in our heart. What will happen if it ever comes that I have to choose between what the law says or what the Word of God says? And today I want to ask you this question just as honest as I can. And maybe you've already settled this in your heart. I'm almost sure everybody's settled this in their heart. But I just want this to get just take a moment and an opportunity. And I think it would be, be our benefit to us to take the time and say, God, I just need to make sure that I understand. Make sure that I make this declaration before you that if ever comes between having to choose between a law and the Word of God, I just want you to know, God, that by your grace, I'm going to follow after the Word of God. Have you done that? Have you settled that in your heart? Would you stand this morning? Thank you for being so patient and so kind today. But just to ask you this question, could you just do this before you go home today, just right now, in the presence of God as they begin to play, would you just talk to God and say, God, I, I never thought about it because I live in such a wonderful country. It's a land of free, home of the brave. And so many people serve in so many capacities to keep these, these freedoms that we have. But, God, maybe there'll never come a time, but maybe there will come a time. But today, God, I just got make to this, make this pledge to you. Settle this in my heart, no matter what the ramifications are, no matter what, how the effect is of my kids. But today, I just have to tell you, God, that by, all, by the grace of God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that I will stand for you no matter what. And I've got friends here today, God, and they're making that same declaration today, that I'll stand for you, God, no matter what. We live in such a wonderful place, a country that's been so prospered and so blessed by you. But, God, if it ever comes to that place, that today we just make that decision, quality decision, to stand for you. And we thank you, Lord, for bringing us to that place today to make that declaration, that decision. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grow your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.